Welcome back to Drop the Ball, ladies and gentlemen, where every week we give you your update on your favorite sports. This week's episode is titled Changes, and what does that look like? I, your host, Andre Thomas, will be discussing this with Super Bowl champion and Hall of Fame linebacker, Mr. Otis Wilson. How you doing, sir? Andre, I'm doing fine, thank you, and I really appreciate you having me, and you know how we say, as we say on the gridiron, let's get to it. Yeah, so I'm very excited to speak with you, being that I played football most of my life during high school and in grammar school. I'm very excited. So honestly, let's just, let's just, how's a retired, how's retirement treating you? Like, I know you enjoy, I know it's been some years. I like, you know, I had a great career. I know you're doing things in life. You have your own organization. How's retirement treating you? Well, thank God it's been a blessing. You know, I can't really complain. Um, We have a saying in football, um, we enjoying the fruits of our labor. And like you indicated, I run a non-for-profit, mm-hmm. which is, is a health and fitness program and football camp for young men mm-hmm. from the ages of eight to 18. And we have an internship program mm-hmm. and an apprenticeship piece where we have young men and women basically, you know, 18 and over when they get out of high school. So, you know, it's a challenge because, you know, you, every year you have to raise money to make sure you're able to help and, you know, support these young people and give them an understanding on, you know, their transition after high school. Like I'm transitioning out of sports, mm-hmm. they're transitioning into the world and, and just starting out. So we want to give them level footing and, mm-hmm. you know, good foundation. And so far it's been a blessing. You know, mm-hmm. I, I can't complain because I'm reminded every day <laughs> that I'm blessed and I need to be a blessing to others. And again, I, I, you know, the folks always talk about, you know, that 85 team and, you know, how much they enjoyed it, how much it meant to their lives. And, you know, and when you're helping people, people are willing to help. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I'm yeah. not going anywhere. I can't move because if I move, you know, somebody else going to take that slot. So I'm just enjoying it until I can't enjoy it anymore. Yeah, I know. And speaking of enjoying it, I know you think about just your career and the times, the games that you've played and just that entire season, uh, the entire uh, Super Bowl season. And like, like what's some of your favorite memories of that season? Like if you could go back and do your favorite memory of that season or favorite game, like what would it be? Oh God, I mean, number one, you have to say the Super Bowl was the most impactful Mm-hmm. game of my life. I mean, you know, I've won championships on every level from Pop Warner football mm-hmm. to high school football to college and, mm-hmm. and in the NFL and won it in great fashion and was able to be around some great athletes all the way through my whole career. Mm-hmm. But when you say what is your best experience and what is the best, obviously it's the Super Bowl because that's your focus, that's your goal to get to that point. And we did it in great fashion, 18 and one, but more so is to the relationship that you develop in your teammates over the years that I played with them. I came here in 1980, you know, Dan Hampton came before me. Mm-hmm. I came in 80. Um, then we started Singletary and on down the line, mm-hmm. you know, Richard Walter was already here. I mean, those guys are brothers for life. Cause I mean, Football, and I, I, I think you understand and you know, mm-hmm. it's not an individual sport. It takes 11 guys on offense, 11 guys on defense to not be out of place and in sync. And 
to put egos to the side and go out there and, you know, set that stage and, and make those plays. Mm -hmm. It takes focus. Um, you have to stay healthy. Um, you have to have great timing. I mean, just everything fell in place. I mean, then you got to even add the Super Bowl shuffle. So <laughs> that was, um, I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't write this thing any, any better than that. I mean, what athlete, you know, goes to the Super Bowl, get nominated for a Grammy in the same year, get beat by Prince, you know, the Purple Rain album. Yeah, that was, that was a great. Told somebody that they said, "Man, you got to be kidding me!" You know, but it, <laughs> that's that's the fact of the matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I noticed you said like you um basically like it, it's a team game, and I definitely agree. Being that I've played and if you playing like it does take all eleven guys as well as the coaches. It takes a team effort and, and building a relationship. And I know for a fact that you still talk to every single one of your teammates, especially defense all the time, just on how they're doing, checking up on them, seeing how life's going. I know you still communicate with all of them. Well, there's no doubt about it. You know, I see Dan Hampton a lot, Steve McMichaels, Richard Dent, Henry <laughs> Moorhead. Um, you know, we all, you know, reduced to, you know, golf right now. I mean, all of us, are, you know, avid golfers and, you know, we bond that way and, you know, because, you know, it's a competitive game and we all competitive athletes and, and it's something that we can enjoy. We get out there in the good, nice weather and, you know, hit the ball around. You help different organizations, different charities. And, mm -hmm. you know, but mainly is you keep that connection. I mean, most of us have different, you know, um, charities that we work with and we help one another and we support one another. It's like pretty much brothers for life. Yeah, that relationship is still there. And in terms of players, like your relationship, do you still communicate with any of the current players or do you communicate with any current players that are in the NFL right now, have a relationship with them, mentor them in any way? Well, it's the, the, it's the generation gap is a little different. You know, mm -hmm. when I was playing, the, they, they were babies, you mm -hmm. know, and obviously, you know, I'm around the sport a lot, you know, going to Soldier's Field other than this, this past year has been different in 2020. Yeah, because but you know you 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 know I go down to training camp and you know sign autographs, mingle with them, kind of kind of get to know them, but <laughs> it, it's a different generation. When I say kind of, because it's a different generation. Right. I'm I'm more or less on the same level, or probably older than their dad. <laughs> you know, so some of them know who I am, and some of them don't. And that's good. You know, but yeah. the ones that are throwbacks. They follow the game. They understand the game. They know who's been in the game, and, and we all stand on somebody's shoulders. And but to hang out with them and, and socialize with them, no, I, I don't do that because um, yeah, <laughs> you know, my path is totally different from their path. But I understand the experience because when I was twenty-five to thirty, I wasn't talking to no no guy that was ten years, fifteen years. <laughs> You just try to go out, have a little fun. <laughs> yeah, well, I was having a whole lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> so in today, in, uh, in my uh, show, this podcast, we've talked about a lot, such as what do athletes represent, how are athletes looked upon in the world, the changes in today's game. And so in terms of when you were a professional athlete and you were um, in the NFL, do you feel uh, back then versus not right now? I'm sorry, you kind of cut off a little bit. If you can repeat that, I certainly appreciate it. 
uh, it's okay. Do you feel like it's harder to be an it was harder to be an athlete back then than it is now in terms of what you say, uh, how you're viewed in the public? Like, do you feel like athletes are looked uh, are put under a microscope more more so well, now than they were back then? No, I think the microscope is still the same, mm-hmm. you know. But the game is different. You know, you, the approach to the game is different. You know, when I came in, you know, the older players showed you the ropes mm-hmm. and, you know, taught you how to play the game. I mean, obviously, it's about catching the football, running the football and tackling the football. <laughs> but playing with certain clapping people, you know, when I was in the game, they were cutting below the waist when I was in the game. A quarterback, you can do whatever you want to do to him in the game. A wide receiver. You can physically abuse him while I was in the game. You know, the game today is there's so many rules that are in place where you're limited as far as defensively to what you can do. You know what I mean? Right. And, and, and they're doing it, they're playing it. But just think about it this way if you can go in the game and play the game of football today with just shoulder pads, something's wrong. Because yeah. we didn't have thigh pads, knee pads hip pads and all that other stuff, you'd have been broke, you'd been in the training room the next that, that next Sunday after the game. I mean that next Monday after the game, because you got physically beat up. Now right. <laughs> these kids just walking around with shoulder pads on and that's it. Playing the game. I mean, I would love to catch somebody coming out there like that. I'd tear his butt up. <laughs> so do you feel like today's game, you know, as one of the biggest differences compared to when you were playing, do you feel like today's game is a lot softer? Well, it's not softer, it's just the rules are different. I mean, and it allows you to be be a little lax because, you know, when you engage an individual, that other, that other guy sometimes on that offensive line will try to cut you. Mm-hmm. You can't do that now. I mean, you know, you, the long snappers you know, on field goals and punts, you can't touch him. He runs down the field free. Wide receivers, you got, you got to touch him at the line, but after five yards, you, you, you can't, can't even touch him anymore. How am I going to stay with a guy running a 4-2-40 if I can't put my hands on him? And the quarterback, you know, I can't hit him above the waist. And I got it just I got to figure out how to hit him when I get there. So, yes, it's, it's, it's totally different. But it's still football because, I mean, you know, when you play two-hand touch on the street, you didn't have any pads on. Sometimes it got a little physical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the league has been going through a lot just in terms of seeing um, the type of hits players are getting, the type of calls, and refs missing different calls that are pass interferences or roughing the passers. And these rules really kind of change the outcome of games, potential Super Bowl appearances for multiple teams. And so do you feel like referees should start being penalized for certain calls that they make that may be wrong or may be right? Well... I believe it, it, they should put something in place where, which is already in place when you view it, that you can challenge it. And if it's, if, if a guy made head-to-head contact, because there's been plays where, you know, receivers and, you know, DBs make, make contact and you clearly after the replay shows, mm-hmm. he hit him with his shoulder. He never hit him with his head. And that's, you know, but they gave him a first down. So that should be a, able to be overturned. So, I mean, they, they have it in place. They just got to modify and make it better because basically the referees are human 
And when you got guys that big running that fast <laughs> and, 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 you know, instantaneously hit somebody, it's going to look like you hit them in the head, you know? So when you got that review, have somebody up there that can overrule and say, hey, you made a mistake, this is the right call, and then move on, because you're right. You know, it, it can change the outcome of a game, momentum of a game, and it could be the determination whether you win that game. So do you feel like plays are or calls are challenged a lot more in today's game than it was in the 1980s? Claude, there's probably, on average, two to three calls that are challenged every single in every single NFL game on every Sunday, which is every Sunday there's about – 14 to give or take 14 games every Sunday, if not 12. And so to say it's two to three games, uh, two to three calls challenged on every game, do you feel like that's a lot in terms of when you were playing? Well, there was no challenge in when we played. I mean, it was man on man, strength on strength. And now you have the, you know, and that's why they have this, this thing in place because a lot of mistakes were made back when I was, you know, coming up. So, you know, I believe it should be in place. It's the right thing to do. You just have to make it better like you do every year. You just have to make, you know, because, again, they're human, and sometimes people make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And that's how I feel. Uh, in terms of referees really making mistakes, things happen, and sometimes you can't see everything. You know, we have to, under we have to understand that the referees are looking at 22 players on the field at one time while also watching the ball and looking for other, you know, wrongs and fouls. So for them, for them to see any kind of penalties in that way, it's kind of hard for them all in that nature while maintaining where the ball is at. So I feel like that's something that really some people don't take care, uh, take part when they're thinking about referees and the decisions that they make. And do you feel like within the last 10, 20 years, even though players are playing a little bit, softer or to not softer but more to the rules that are adjusted to their playing style do you feel like anybody resembles your playing style and how you play well we got some throwbacks that i would say in there but um you know the aggressiveness you know i would say donovan sue you know i mean he's a very aggressive player yes yeah. and you know people get to the point sometimes where they get mad at him for him being aggressive i'm like come on that's the game that's the nature of the sport and that's the way it's supposed to be. But for the most part, there are not a whole lot of guys who are able to play like we were able to play. Well, well you know, so, you know, you know, Khalil Mack, I watch him, but, you know, he's really a, a defensive end. He's not a linebacker. Yeah, he's, he's mainly a I defensive end. Yeah, they got him listed as a linebacker, but he's a defensive end. <laughs> you know, if I played his position, you know, I would have, I would be matching Richard Dent, you know, 16, 17 sacks a game. Having a great time too, as well. <laughs> you know, so it's a little different. You know, you know, Lance Briggs when he played reminded me of myself a lot. You know, so yeah, there, there's some guys out there that, are, as we say, lay the leather on you. But for the most part, if you do, you get fine. Right. And within the NFL, a lot of players are playing. You know, to the style that they're in now, or how they adjusted to. And so, do you think? Do you think that you could possibly explain the def what won the Super Bowl for the Buccaneers? Was it the defense or was it mainly the offense? And if so, what do you feel like the, what the defense strategy that they use could work against a lot of other teams for the Buccaneers? The Chiefs is the number one offense in the league, and the Buccaneers held them under 20 points 
in the Super Bowl. So can can you elaborate on what you think about that kind of defense? Well, let me say this. Defense win championships. <laughs> Offense win games. You know, to have a guy like Brady who has the knowledge to go out there and, I mean, you, you put the right players around him, you know, with the good running backs. And you know, he, he's really never had a great running back since he's been in the league. He's always had great receivers. Yeah, he always he had, had a He's had a combination of both. Mm-hmm. You know, this season, I mean, their running game was unbelievable. Yeah. You know, their passing, you know, he's efficient. If, if you open, he's going to get the football to you. And a tight uh, you know, with, a great, with a great tight end. Mm-hmm. But you hit it on the head. When you do not allow that offense to get into the end zone, they're not going to beat you. You know what I mean? And we all know what Kansas City can do offensively. Mm-hmm. And we have to give Tampa Bay's defense a lot of credit. I mean, they came and put their hats on people and, you know, they, they, they shut them down. You know, the, the, the Kansas City couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and the thing was Tom Brady's odds were uh, – the Buccaneers' odds actually were a little low compared going into the uh, Super Bowl just because of San Fran- – uh, not San Francisco, but Kansas City having the number one quarter – number one pa- uh, leading passer in the league top five receiver in receiving yards, as well as their tight end being top five in receiving yards in the league as well. So that offense being kind of crippled showed how much effect this defense have in the league. And since we're going on defenses and teams picking apart defenses, defense is something that requires a lot of hitting, most a lot of contact, a lot of you putting your body on someone else, you making sure that you stop them in any way necessary to get the ball. And so do you feel like football – is a barbaric sport and and i am an athlete podcast chad johnson aka chad ocho cinco he said people see football as a barbaric sport and he do as well but he said he would still play again if he had the opportunity and do you think of football as a barbaric sport well football is a, a physical game but it's a it's an art to it i mean because you understand what that you get film on on that three films of their latest three games, you sit down and you watch what their tendencies are. So you understand what that team does best, who are they what personnel. And you study that all week in combination with what you do. And that's one great thing about us. When we, we played, we never worried about what another team did. Mm-hmm. You know, we always knew that a 46 defense, which allowed us to have a lot of freedom, make different calls, have three calls in one, depending on whether they came out of a one back set, two back set, you know, two receivers, three receivers, whatever they came out in, we had what we call automatic front and cover. So if that defense mm-hmm. is doing what they're supposed to do, you know, taking away their strength, you know, they can't do anything. In the, but the main thing is you have to put pressure on that quarterback. Right. You could not let him sit in the pocket and they did not touch Brady all night. He did not fall on his back, none whatsoever. And when you move him off his spot, make him move around, now that change the timing, change the rhythm of offense. Offense is all rhythm. So when you hit those receivers at the line and you're moving that quarterback off, off to his spot, now that changes the whole dynamics. And that's what we're very good of, what we're very good at, I should say. But the main thing was we were physical with it. You know, we were able to bring physicality 
to knowledge. And, and with both knowledge and the physicalness, you know, shut down offense. I mean, we dominated um, offense. We never worried about, again, I say what they were doing. We made them worry about what we were doing. And how, and how you guys would adjust to that. And that's a good thing in terms of studying your opponent and knowing what their tendencies are. And when it comes to defense, a lot of teams today's time, you see running, me that I'm knowing run football, I'm watching where their linebackers are, what kind of zones they're running, are they blitzing, is it a 4-4 four, 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 And today's time, do you see a lot of defenses that kind of resemble the grit and the motivation and possibly the skill set that the 95 Bears, even the, the 80s Bears and or 85 Bears in general had? Do you see any teams that resemble that team's mindset and the way they play and just the mindset and the type of formations that they run? Do you see any teams today that resemble that? None whatsoever. You know, I asked Ron Rivera, Les Frazier, you know, all, all the guys that have been in coaching today, mm-hmm. Mike, Mike Singletary at one time, you know, how do these kids stack up to what we were doing? Mm-hmm. And all three of them said, Otis, these kids will not stick their face in there. You know, they, 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 they can't handle it, you know, and, and mind you, our defense was, was great because of number one attitude and talent. Right. I mean, we, we had people doing different things. You know, we never, me and Wilbur, we didn't have to come out of the game. Right. You know, I took the running back, you know, uh, uh, Wilbur take the running back. Wilbur take the fastest guy. I take the next fastest guy, and we give Mike Singletary the slow guy. You know, because he he never he, he couldn't he wasn't running fast. So now you got today with these spread offenses, where the linebackers come out, they can't run with people. Right. You know, because I look at these tight ends coming over the middle, going down the seams, and beating these kids. I'm like, come on, you gonna let a tight end beat you? Mm-hmm. The only one that ever gave us any problems was was Kellen Winslow Kevin because he was uh, and Jimmy Giles at Tampa Bay because they could run. They were able to run and they were big, you know. Mm-hmm. So other than that, we give the slowest guy to, to Singletary and um, we cover the next guy. We stand up four downs. They beat us. We got to go again. <laughs> now, you know, these kids, these kids, you know, they don't do that. They interchange. If I came out the way these kids come out, I could have played for 20 years. <laughs> and so in terms of your career, speaking of the years that you played, so after playing football for the for as long as your career and thinking about all the physical uh, issues that come after playing football, do you feel like you would still play football again, even after knowing, even after seeing the changes to the phys- how physical players are now, would you still play again? And do you, feel like the physical issues that you have now, if you have any, do you feel like they would um, they would still make you not want to do it if you knew these would be the issues that you have? Well, thank God. I, I don't I don't have a lot of lingering, you know, injuries. Obviously, you know, you have some because, you know, I played for nine years, mm-hmm. but I got credit for 10 seasons. And I mean, you're going to have some bumps and bruises, aches and pains. Yeah. But but I, I, you know, when I was coming up, and playing, you know, I knew, you know, I had a high school coach named Mo Finkelstein. Mm-hmm. You know, he stressed number one, oh, this is a physical game. You have to be mentally and physically prepared. So as far as running, eating, and lifting weights, I prepared myself mm-hmm. better than, you know, I, the best I could so mm-hmm. that when I go out there, 
And then, you know, playing strong side linebacker, mm -hmm. you know, turning everything inside and I let him get outside. I positioned myself and my body where I see, I've seen everything coming at me. So I limit who's hitting me. Yeah, have I gotten blindsided one or two times? Yes, yes I have. You know, <laughs> everybody, you know, everybody get that. But for the most part, I made it through healthy. But the, 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 the main part to your question is, I would be first in line <laughs> to get back in there and do it again. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. I feel like the, with the way that things have changed, you know, everything has to evolve. Everything has to, you know, get better. And what comes with equipment, personal trainers, being able to take care of your physical body, you could probably play for, any player could play for a long, very long time in this kind of field, just in terms of they really dedicate themselves to skill, mindset and just really putting foot putting foot uh forward their best foot and so in terms of the changes that we have seen who do you think uh resembles what kind of uh, uh resembles the exact player that mike singletary was just in terms of uh who they are in terms of what they do on the field how they communicate because when i look at watch highlights of the bears defense you all are communicating. You all are making sure you con uh, get in contact with each other, watching out, making hand signals. You all are communicating at a very well, very fast-paced uh, way. And do you feel like any teams do that now in terms of linebackers in that specific area? Do you feel like any team have a set of linebackers that are really putting forward their best foot when in terms of how they're competing against other teams? Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to your question and I'm wrecking my brain. <laughs> whether it's the AFC or the NFC to find, you know, three dominating linebackers on one team. And there really aren't, there aren't any, you know? So the only thing that I can say that came close to Singletary was Ray Lewis. Mm -hmm. I mean, the understood the game, played the game with, with viciousness and, you know, had longevity, but to see those kind of players now, I mean, you got a few individuals that play well, but, collectively, you know, three, a strong side linebacker, weak side and middle guy that all that's in sync and, and, and dominating, that's not in the NFL right now. Right. And, with, and when it comes to the changes in the NFL, defense has changed. And so with defense changing, do you feel like it's made it, I don't want to say give, yeah, do you feel like it's give a leverage towards offensive players, more importantly, offensive quarterbacks in terms of how they're hit? how uh, where you can put your hands on them in terms of how much space you're supposed to give them throwing room. Do you feel like the changes have really given them an advantage over some defenses? Well, I, I think it's the rules that are in place now caters to the offense. No yeah. doubt about it. I mean, with a spread offense, it eliminates what, what we can and cannot do and makes it a little tough on, you know, you know, making plays, but you do the best you can with what you have and, you know, you, you, you got to go with it. And the offense is definitely, you know, I would say had, give the, has a nod to go out there and, you know, you, you can't intimidate wide receivers and, and, and quarterbacks anymore because you can't hit them. You know, before <laughs> you could, um, you know, get up there and start beating the hell out of one of them. One of them. And you intimidate them a little bit now. They look at you like you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the referees will throw throw penalty on you real quick. Yeah, flags fly real quick in the NFL. <laughs>
And so uh, after going against all the quarterbacks he was going against and seeing the quarterbacks in today's time, but we got to go ahead and ask the question. It's, it's automatic. Between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, who do you feel like it would have been harder to play against? Not who's better, but who's harder for you, uh, for your team to play against? If you're the uh, 85 Bears were to go against each quarterback, who do you think would be a harder quarterback to go against? I would say um, Rodgers because he, he can scramble a little better than um, Brady can. Brady is not a good scrambler. You know, he got what we call lead feet. You know, they, they don't, you don't move quickly. So I, I would want somebody that's going to stay in that pocket because if I fall and get back up in three or four seconds, I still got a shot to hit him. But with, with um, Rodgers, you know, he's very elusive and he will run the football on you. Yeah. And I feel like this is some, um, a lot of quarterbacks now are kind of scrambling a lot more, being able to be a lot more mobile. You see Cam Newton, you see Lamar Jackson, you see Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes. Quarterbacks are starting to run a lot more in the pocket. And that's good, but in some ways it could be bad. And and in terms of the 80s, did you see a lot of quarterbacks doing the same thing or was it more stationary? Was it more of we're going to stay in the pocket if you get caught, if the pocket collapsed, then get it out of there, get the ball away, run the ball, find an open man. Do you feel like that mindset of trying to collapse the pocket or not scrambling is the same now? Well, you're talking about two different eras. I mean, we had Warren, you know, Warren Moon and um, Vince Evans, you know, um, you, you you got Lamar Jackson now. You got Cam Newton. These guys are unbelievable. They can beat you with their feet, or they can beat you with their hand with their arm. <laughs> and you know, totally different. I mean, with the the prototypes now is a guy you know like Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson. You know, and you play against guys like that. You really, I mean, if we had the rules today. I mean, it would be a little tough, but for the most part, I want you to run so that we can start putting a hat on you and slow you down a little bit, you know? <laughs> so that's the one thing you do have to be concerned with, those quarterbacks that run a lot. You know, you take a lot of chances physically, you know, but yet so far so good. I mean, they're, they're young, the body bounces back, it's yeah. resilient, but, but 10, 15 years from now, they're gonna wish they hadn't. <laughs> Yeah, and the thing is with the league now, quarterbacks being mobile has really set a tone and made it harder for defensive coverages as well as defensive coordinators to adjust to that. And with all the changes to the rules and being able to hit each other and then types of passes and then players, what they can and wear and can and say and cannot do, do you feel like there are any changes that were just bad for the league in terms of what they can say what they wear in terms of how the game is played. Do you feel like any of these changes should be reversed or anything? You feel like these changes are good for the league now in this era? Well, I mean, you know, supposedly, you know, it's, it's making it better for, you know, the CET and, you know, keeping people healthier. But when you talk about playing football, you look at it, everybody going to get hurt. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you can't, if, if you, if you cannot, go in the game or play this game and not come out unscathed. I mean, <laughs> something's going to happen eventually. If, if, <laughs> if it doesn't happen, that means you either a field goal kicker 
uh, punter, you know. <laughs> Those are only guys that, that don't do nothing. So, no, this game is a physical game, and it takes a toll on your body. So I, I don't think the, the rule, of course, they're not, to, you know, defensive guys favor, but, you know, I don't, I don't think they need to change anything. I mean, if you're talking about keeping people safe. Yeah, and safety is always the most important thing when it comes to any sport in general and just really making sure that we all are doing this, but this isn't something that's worth to using your life for, you know? And speaking of your life and, you know, players being scared, were there any moments in your career where you were scared of a game or a moment or you just, you know, was seconds away from, you know, peeing pants or something? Like, was there any moments where you were legit scared? You know, God's honest truth. The word <laughs> scared is, I don't think it's, it's fear mm -hmm. or scared. It's the, the factor of the unknown. Mm -hmm. the going into competition, you always want to make sure, number one, you play well. Mm -hmm. Number two, you stay healthy. And number three, you win the football game. So that fear of not knowing, you know, keeps that adrenaline, you know, going before that game. But something that you love doing, I mean, just think about it. The game that you played all your life since I started at seven, and I played till I was 35, you know, I mean, that's the best thing. I mean, I wouldn't write this script any different. I mean, so scared, you know, hell no, because I got a hat <laughs> and I'll put it on you in a minute. <laughs> yeah, it's all about, it's really just about how you deal with, you know, either nervousness or just what you don't know and like the uncertainty. And when it comes to football, it is, it does have certain changes that have made it different from different eras of the game. But I feel like in certain emotions, certain things are still the same. And certain things are different. And honestly, I have to ask this, cause you know, it's a different time, but how really, how do you really feel about the kneeling of the national anthem? Wow, that's deep. Um, yeah, I had, you I know, had in, in today's society, you know, <laughs> when you're talking about you know, racism, you're talking about, I mean, being in a country that that tells you you should love the country, but the country don't love you because of the color of your skin. Right. And when you see individuals, because number one, we have a platform. Right. You know, when you're out there, people are watching and millions of people are watching, or, you know, so that, you know, if you, you bring attention to something, they're going to know. Yeah, they're Colin Kaepernick you know, took that knee and started that process, mm -hmm. you know, they changed the narrative because it wasn't about no American flag. Right. It was about injustice, you know, mm -hmm. with police brutality. You know, and when you look at, listen to the words of the national anthem, mm -hmm. that don't reflect what's, what's, what's happening in my life. Right. To me, when I look at them, they don't care nothing about me. The only way, reason why they love me is because what I can do for them. As long as I'm making money for them, meaning those owners, and we out there, and because like each year the Bears they get um, probably more than that, more than this, but there's 250 million dollars a year they get just on television packages. That's not even talking about season tickets. That's not even talking about merchandising. So they're making goo gobs of money right. because of what we do, but yet we can't express ourselves. I can I can get a concussion, but I can't kneel and bring attention to somebody hitting, hitting somebody else over the head or shooting somebody. I mean, this country right now is 
deeply divided. Yes. But when it comes to a black man in America, we at the bottom of the totem pole. So, right. you know, I believe I, if, that, if it happened in my time, mm -hmm. we would all have been on our knees, every right. one of us, because we are strong black men. You know, and they couldn't, they can't, they're going to get rid of one, they got to get rid of all of us. You know, so, can't get rid of you city. know, it's unfortunate that they can take a man's job because he was, he protested, you know, but, but now later on, they're going to apologize, but don't even mention his name. How are you going to apologize about something and you don't mention the man's name? Right. You know, you know, you know, so every time I see Roger, I remind him of that. How are you going to apologize and you didn't even mention the man's name? Right, you, you know, so, so I, I can care less about that national anthem. It don't mean nothing to me. Mm -hmm. Because it's all about really the point behind it. It's all about the message that it needs to send and that everyone should know about. And I'm glad you said that you were um, that the team or you all would have all knelt as well. Because that was about to be my next question: on if you were in today's game, would you have knelt, kneeled as well? Even even knowing the consequences that may come with it, would you have still did the same? Well, there's no doubt about it, because I, you know, Richard would look at Rich with me, and we would all look at Singletary, we all look at Walter, we all look at um, each one of us, and, and when you united, you stand, and we ain't falling for nothing, you know. So we're gonna go down for something, and um, we 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 would stay together. We would do it in a heartbeat. Yeah, and that's good, and it's and it and it's crazy because when you really think about. The way that the world is now, things have changed in terms of where African-American men or people in general stand in society in terms of how much success we've had. And people don't know, but you could you could possibly see that the NFL is considered to have more than 70% of the players who are in minorities or who are of African-American color. And so when you think about it, was it the same back then or was it different? And do you feel like we have it's the image we represent now is more so important because there's more of us or do you feel like it's more so important because things are still happening the same way and nothing's changing well that's the unfortunate part about it when you really think about the civil rights movement you know starting back in the 60s i mean we're still fighting the same things back then that we're doing now i mean you know before you know they they were they were hanging us, you know, now they, they you know, it's, it's police brutality or they shooting us, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's, it really hasn't changed. I mean, you know, when, when you said, you know, it's, it's gotten better. Yes, it's gotten better for individuals, you know, baseball players, basketball players, football players, entertainers, but that's not the large population. Mm -hmm. you know, you're talking about a small segment in society, you know, so, when you put the real number in, you got what over seven hundred thousand men or more, well, probably now close to a million black men incarcerated. You know they right. building more jails than they building colleges. Mm -hmm. You know so, you know when Martin Luther King said we shall overcome, we haven't overcome yet. I mean we still fight, fighting the fight, and and it hasn't gotten any better. You know so we have to continuously stay vigilant. But the one thing I like about it is. We're in a better position to voice our opinions than we were back then. Right. You know, before back then, you know, they use, you know, on a large scale brutality and, and fear to keep people quiet. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Now, you know, LeBron James is the, you know, Seth, Seth Curry's, or, 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 you know, Colin Kaepernick's. You know, these guys, you know, they come out and they state where they stand. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you can't deny it. And then in the WNBA too, I mean, mm-hmm. they stood, you know, they stood because women are a big part of the, the movement and we just got to keep doing what we're doing and we can't let up because bottom line is, you know, they, they we can go out there and make money for them, but, you know, we can't do, we, we can't do a whole lot on the other side. So it's just, you know, progress and we just have to keep visualing and just keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. And with athletes being when athletes being able to speak more now, it's actually good because they have like they have the ability to without being so penalized, without people looking at them a certain way and treated wrong, they're able to voice their opinions and people who support them are able to do so loudly and proudly. So I feel like that's one of the great changes about being an athlete in today's time. But as you know, I gotta ask you this question before we end the uh interview. You're as a defensive player, and I played defense in high school. So seeing, I understand. I have to ask this as always. Your top five quarterbacks ever, seeing all eras, seeing how each one played. I just need to hear your top five quarterbacks to ever play the game. Oh my God! Yeah, this you is gotta, you gotta say number one is Tom Brady. Yeah, I'm he's number really. One, you gotta you gotta say seven Super Bowl rings, ten Super Bowls. You gotta say Tom Brady. You know, Rogers, you know, Brett Favre, you know, John Elway, you know, um, oh God, I can't think of his name. Um, Joe Montana. From, Joe Montana from San Francisco. You know, those are my, those are my top five right there. So you got John Elway in your top five. Now that is interesting. So why John Elway? I have to know. That's and then Dan Marino, you got to say him and Dan Marino are pretty much a toss up with mm-hmm. those two guys. But I mean, Elway was smart. He was um, athletic, and and he knew how to drive that offense. So, you know, you look at those guys and their time when they played. They all had a great knowledge of the football. They all had good weapons around them, and they had the will to win. Whenever you have the will to win, you know that that's that's seventy five to ninety five percent of it. Yeah. Uh... Speaking of all these changes and just having the quarterbacks, like all quarterbacks represent, they have a certain playing style that they have to adjust to for their team. Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Bees, their teams all have their own certain style. Even Jay Cutler, even when he was quarterback for the Bears, they all they all had their own <laughs> playing style. You, know? <laughs> you mentioned Jay Cutler. Where did that come from? Because, you know, Every team do have their own playing style. And he had his own playing style that didn't, you know, it didn't match up with the Bears. So he had to adjust a little bit, you know, just make some changes, which is what today's episode is about anyway. <laughs> Jay Cutler, the only thing he cared about was himself. <laughs> he, he blamed everything on the wide receiver or the tackle. He was never at fault. Yeah, I honestly agree with that. Like, I can't even be upset that you're saying I agree. Even though I may not be a Bears fan, I can acknowledge and say that I truly agree that quarterbacks is one of the main things the Bears would need. And hopefully they get a good quarterback this offseason. Well, you're right, because what they have right now is is just okay. To me, they're good backup quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. They they do enough just to get the job done. But if you're trying to go to the next level – on a consistent basis, you have to have, uh, you know, 
you know, a good, you know, a good quarterback because their defense is, is good. I mean, the offense, the, the receivers, running backs are, are, are good. You just need a quarterback to elevate the, everybody. Mm-hmm. And that's all it is. Just really changing things around, moving stuff. You got to make adjustments. There's a lot of things that go on, and you have to make sure that you got to get everything your team needs. And honestly, I want to say thank you for this interview. I truly appreciate you joining this interview with me. Um, changes is always what it's about. And just because it's a change doesn't mean it's bad or good. Change can always be better. So uh, then again, this is Drop the Ball Podcast. I am your host, Andre Thomas. This is, you know, Super Bowl champion and Hall of Fame, uh, Hall of Fame linebacker, Mr. Otis Wilson. Thank you again, sir. I hope you have a great day. And this is the end of the episode. Well, Andre, thank you for having me. And I certainly appreciate it. And keep up the good work. And you're right. Change is good. Change is needed because you never stay the same. If you stay the same, there's no growth. So peace. Stay strong, my brother. Yes, sir. Thank you.